This is Wolfredo Torres, the artist on Jupiter's Circle, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> You have been waiting for this episode for 12 years. Tell the listeners that? I am telling the listeners that. <laughs> we should have had a drum we roll. Haven't, we haven't spoken on it yet. He, he, this may be an episode he dreaded for 12 years. But he oh, ba- based on our reaction, yeah. 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 It's, it's oh, but unlike next week, I'm just going to blank all that. No, you're going you're gonna to throw oh, names at us. See? That's what I'm saying. So he still has it. About this, that's like, I mean, like, I don't hold a grudge like you do, but in that case, I hold a grudge. <laughs> Put it to you this way. I'm definitely afraid of, if I, if I didn't like this book tonight, I probably would have called out sick. Because I couldn't imagine spending two hours besmirching this particular work and, and expecting us to be friends for the next decade or two. <laughs> <laughs> he, holds, he holds this shit in high esteem? What <laughs> the hell? What the fuck? Yeah, no, no, I, I, there, you don't, you don't have to love it. You, you should appreciate it though. Well, and we'll yeah, get like, into it. it, it it's yeah. like people who want to talk shit about the Beatles or Rolling Stones. It's like you may not like the music, but at least understand why it's important or so yeah. many. People yeah, I think, to... I think the craft is unassailable. It may not be. That's the thing, right? It may not be plugged into your main line, you know, the main vein of of what you enjoy, but you cannot disparage the work at all it, it, it i think it's well we'll get into it this is buried in the lead why am i doing this because this it is right not a spell this is 11 o'clock comics he didn't even bounce it back i love it when you hit it back yeah thanks see cold water this is 11 <laughs> o'clock comics episode 687 and i'm vince b oh you are vince b and in Black Knight, I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I am, of course, the best Green Lantern, John Stewart. Mm. First appearance. Yeah, I can't co-sign that. <laughs> oh, you know, I Racist. Can't, but... I know, oh, of course, that's what it is. No, <laughs> you're not John Stewart. You're Jason Wood. Everybody on this. Our monthly investigation of a single work. Yep, it's the book of the month episode this time around, focusing on Green Lantern, Green Arrow. We're going to call it what it is because we have different copies among all of us here. Uh, Hard Traveling Heroes, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, and company. And uh, I got mine from a little old place called Discount Comic Book Service, Um, according to the Indicia, many, many moons ago. And it's dcpservice.com where you get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. You have a very small window to get in on this order form because uh, the end of the month looms. And uh, there's a period where had you made your order earlier in the month, there's a period in the DCBS order process where you cannot remove things from it. It's like what? Either the last day of the month or the day before the last day. Like they give you more than enough time to change it 16,000 times like I do. But then they say, wait a minute, enough's enough. And we're in the the point now where you can just add stuff. But you can probably, you can definitely make an order. And I want you to remember these things because I've been speaking on them all month long. We have the DC Hill House triple play, Basket Full of Heads, The Dollhouse Family, 
and the Lolo Woods, all hardcovers, all have a cool-ass acetate book wrap. I can't wait to see how they do this. Uh, from what I've read, they're going to print the actual logos and assorted uh, cast and crew information on the acetate, which then would wrap itself around a virgin book cover featuring just the art. That's what I heard. I can't say for 100% sure, but if that's the case, there's not going to be a Hill House book that I do not order. I even ordered Lolo Woods. Wow. Yeah, which wasn't my favorite. Wasn't my favorite. Um, But yeah, so these things are $24.99, which is very acceptable to me, but because they're hardcovers, you're not going to pay that. You're so smart and so handsome and attractive. You're going to pay $12.49. And then, sticking with the DC theme, we have the Black Label book, The Question. Oddly enough, The Deaths of Vic Sage hardcover. Jeff Lemire, Dennis Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz, all heavy hitters. $29.99 for this collection, which scoops up the four issues of the Black Label series. But you're not going to pay that. David, what are they going to pay? I think it may be. Wait, you said it was how much? Twenty nine ninety nine. Oh, it's, I'm 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 thinking at least fourteen ninety nine. At least it is the price. At the most, yeah, fourteen ninety nine. And last, but in my heart, first, we have Steve Gerber, Mary Scranes, Brian Hurt, Steve Bird, Hard Time, the complete series trade paperback. You're going to get twelve issues of the original Hard Time and seven issues of season two, all under one cover. cover price. You're laughing. I can hear you because you know you're not going to pay that at dcbservice.com. You're going to get this for $19.99. I was mulling it over. I have all these issues. They're scattered in many boxes. I said, you know what? How can I not order this for 50% off even though it's a double dip? And I did. I I added it to my order today and I'm a happy camper. They do not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your book shipped massive securely, bubble wrapped. You got to break into the box with a jackhammer. That's how secure it is. Right to your door. It's uh, dry cleaning is involves more work. It's true. DCBService.com. Although I can't say the last time I ever had something dry cleaned. Really? Yeah. What What the hell do I, I wear? Black T-shirts. And mm, what, what is it? Cargo shorts. That's my wardrobe. Mm. My wife said, do you have any T-shirts that aren't black? I said, yeah, but I don't wear them. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, let me amend that. I do wear one. It's green. The sluggo is lit. Nancy oh, shirt. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah, non-black shirt I'll wear. The, the, the Funko Justice League shirt you gave me is a gray. So, yeah, so that wasn't black either. Yeah, I'll sometimes wear gray, but... Mm, not often. Black like my soul. Mm, not about that. Yeah. So here we are. The moment Dap has waited for. <laughs> We're just going to lean back, hand it over to him. He's going to run with it. And in about two and a half, three hours, we'll be back to give our we'll impression. Pop back in. Yeah. You're adorable. Yeah. So adorable. Yeah. I imagine this is what Ian felt like last month with the Judge Dredd book. Hmm. You think? Although he is a fan of Green Lantern. So maybe, I mean, this is probably the best two months of his, well, of his, of his 2020, maybe, aside from working from home. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to treat this like a regular book in a month. So, so we'll let Jason take it away. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as I always ask, um, 
what uh, what was your first experience with this? And uh, I'll uh, I'll start off. No surprise to either of you. Uh, this is the first time I'm reading this. Um, I'm glad it was finally chosen. I know it's something that's near and dear to Dap's heart. And uh, but beyond that, it's it's got a huge. Um, I mean, it's one of those seminal DC works, right? Like yes. it's 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 you, you can't mention Denny O'Neill or Neil Adams without this coming up in conversation. And um, so uh, yeah, but but I I read it this week. It was the first time. Fantastic. And it, yeah, I mean it's 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 close to what DC would have uh, to an evergreen. It's it's when people say you know well what are some of the best what are some Green Lantern stories I should read and and somebody who's who's born in after 1999 they'd probably say like black Knight or something but for the most part um hard traveling heroes is generally at the top of almost everyone's list when it comes to green lantern tales you should um people should check out and and um it's not uh for for different people probably for various reasons but what about you vince well in 70 i was five so I was on the cusp of my introduction to comics. I think I was six or seven. Um, so obviously I did not read this as it was coming out. Um, I did investigate it in the 80s, early 80s. But uh, I will be totally honest. Um, I did not have the mindset to read these in the early 80s. I got maybe to issue 78 and I was like, no, no. Uh, where where are the spacefaring adventures? Needless to say, they do creep into the book eventually, um, but not until like maybe five. What is it? Five or six issues in, we start seeing Hal leave the planet uh, on an at least on an adventure. Like he does leave the planet in in seventy six, but it's part of the story that is Earth based. But anyway, so I read it maybe. I would guess 1990. I, I I liked it a lot, but again, that was Heart of Stone, Vince. So I appreciated what it was, but I didn't think I would ever read it again. And you instigated this, and I'm glad you did because now I have the uh, emotional capacity to appreciate these stories the way they should be appreciated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. for me. Um, obviously, since you're, I wasn't even born when the first issue of this, well, or actually probably, well, yeah, um, this was just before my time. Um, the, uh, I first became aware of them, um, thanks to the seven, um, deluxe editions um you see the covers at the end of the um you see the covers at the end of the deluxe edition i don't know about the the version vince has but um in the uh in the 80s dc reprinted the neil adams and denny o'neill run um two to a book uh in, in in a deluxe format version uh pre prestige format they were still stapled but um that was my first time reading them and then i went back and and one of the um number 85 was uh at the time for me it was a grail and 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 i ended up getting my hands on a copy and when i was did my oh, 
I don't even know if I was a teen at that point, but there were, I used to put just like the comic shop. I used to put my favorite comics or key issues on the wall. I'd, I'd, I'd thumbtack the plastic bags to the, 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 the mylars to, to the, to the wall. And that was one of the books on, um, on the wall for me. So it was, and I was so happy to have it and, and, and to own an original, I never had the original, I never had all the issues, but I had, I've had, I don't have them anymore, but I have had a couple, um, over the years so i i read it after the fact but it's 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 a, it's a story it's, it's a run that i've probably read a couple of times uh since then but it's been a long time since since i sat down to read them straight through and for those of you playing at home um our trades collect green Thank lantern you. 76 to 87 89 because 88 was a reprint yeah the Flash, 217 to 219, 226, and then the aforementioned Green Lantern, Green Arrow reprint series 1 to 7. I, I'll be totally honest, having read it now and digested it and we'll talk about it and mull it over, I don't need to read it again. Not because, oh. of, not because it's lacking, but right. – and, and I, I understand the need – for stories like this, especially in a tumultuous time, like when the summer of love was fading and we all realized that that peace and love wasn't going to save the day. The 70s w- revealed the worm and that delicious apple, right? Uh, things started to get dark. You needed to investigate these themes. Um, uh, more importantly, in the forum in which O'Neill and company were were telling these stories, I think it was very important for teens, um, young Americans, as David Bowie would call them, to at least be exposed to ideas that they didn't normally encounter in superhero books. And I didn't want to say mainstream because mainstream was really all there was back then with the exception of, you know, the head shops and the undergrounds. But so the, the, the themes of the book are very important, very vital, very necessary uh, topics on which to explore. But my tastes, as far as Green Lantern goes, would lean more towards what Morrison does and uh, the, um, the Sinestro Corps War, stuff like that. Uh, I, would, I would expect this kind of stuff to be uh explored maybe currently in a question series or a more ground-based superhero uh kudos to O'Neill for exposing a cop to all of these things because i think it, as far as we can see out our window should more law enforcement officers be exposed to uh differing ideas and social subjects that are very important to a bunch of other people that aren't the color that they are. Um, I think, I think you, you may reach a couple, right? Um, so the, the idea of taking a cop and putting him into these situations was borderline brilliant, right? Uh, don't you, do you guys feel the same way? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I actually have a question for you guys. Um, I have, I feel like, of all the major DC tentpole characters, uh, I've read a lot of Green Lantern, um, like more, much more than you know than many of the others. But but that being said, 
Uh, I think the amount of Green Lantern I've read that was written prior to this, 1970, is de minimis. If if I mean, it's even even less than that. So I guess my question is: Was he generally written? Was Hal generally written before this as a Judge Dredd esque, like the law is the law and I enforce it, and there's no gray area? Because uh, that's how it, the series. I mean, this book opens implying that's the kind of guy he is. It's just. I enforce the law. I don't think about consequences. There's no gray area. Um, is that how he was typically written? Was he just a total straight arrow, like rules are rules? Or was that just kind of convenient positioning to emphasize that uh, he had to come over to a more humanistic side for the story? They kind of touch on it in, in one of the early stories in, in, in the collection. He He wasn't – he was pretty much the way he is. The, the way Denny portrays him just maybe a little bit um, lighter uh, as as far as I don't want to say personality, but maybe attitude. Like yes, there were still the 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 Guardians still had you know whatever they wanted him to do. That's what um, you know. That's the rules are the rules. Like he can't. I mean, yes, he would patrol and and he would he he'd be human and he he'd um, he may feel some sort of way, but in the end, generally uh, how the guardians wanted something resolved is, is the way um, because he was, he, he, there were times where it felt like he was a slave to the ring. Like he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't want to go against the guardians because then they could take the ring away. And, and that's right. And, and there were times where it, it, he came across as the, like, that's, that was just be all and end all like without the ring, he's nothing. And, and, um, and that's not true because the ring he was chosen because of the type of person he is. So it's it's he'd be that way even without the ring. But um he yeah, it's because he does um he 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 does within him is is the ability and, and that's why Green Arrow is a great foil for him, uh, is that they, they, they were almost two sides of one person and and um through it, then he's able to actually have the conversations that, you know, the, the, the conversations he'd have with himself about seeing both sides of the story or, or, or the issue. And, um, for the most part, I, I believe that, that Hal, um, always came across. Cause I mean, it, as obviously when it, when you're illustrated by Gil Kane or, or written by Julie Schwartz or, or, or Gardner Fox, you're not, you're not going to get the heavy stories that, that then he's writing and you're not going to get the look, um, the, the, the atmosphere that, uh, that Neil's going to give you. So, so visually it's, it's going to feel and look differently, but, um, but the underlying aspects of, of Hal's being, I'm pretty sure it, I, I would view as the same. Hmm. Okay, cool. Cause, Cause it seems like, the last 20, 25 years, Hal has been very much a thorn in the, in the, uh, yes. you know, the guardian side. Like, like he's, he, he's, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. He feels like he's above them, that he's, he's, he'll do what he thinks is right. Yeah. He's a maverick. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and I just, it's, it's, I guess I knew that he wasn't always that much of a maverick, but I, I just, I never thought about, Oh, was he just a straight like proxy for, like rule following and law enforcement was that how he was was written in the fifties and sixties because that's pretty boring if that's how he was written but right. uh, it, it really speaks to how much that character has evolved I think for the better 
I think he's far more interesting having his own moral compass and his willingness to break away from them when he feels it's right and to do what he thinks is right, uh, right. that his moral compass is, uh, is, is greater and, and purer than, than theirs or anyone else's. But anyway. Uh, Wait, yeah. uh, while we're on the subject um, yeah, of, yeah. of how O'Neill handles these characters, I got to say, uh, since the emotional spectrum is so crucial an element to the contemporary Green Lantern mythology, the way O'Neill wrote Green Lantern and Green Arrow, their emotions swing wildly. I mean, there's no middle ground with these guys. They're either at two or they're at ten. It's mm-hmm. like it's like okay. if if um, Hal wanted a poppy seed bagel and Green Lantern uh, or um, Green Arrow brought him a sesame seed. God damn it, you lily-lovered liberal logic. Like, they, they fly off the handle at the slightest provocation. And, like, everything is a crucial, mind-bending, life-or-death situation. You pushed me in the water. I'm going to beat. And these guys are buddies. They're friends. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like they almost forget what they mean to each other because the testosterone kicks in. And they start throwing fists and saying things they don't mean. And the second they start walking away, gee, I shouldn't have acted like that yes friend isn't, like, it a, isn't it a fascinating proxy for today i mean that's the interesting thing about reading this now particularly for the first time i mean considering it was written in, in 1970 it, it made me think wow i mean maybe things have always been this way it's just that the internet magnifies it like now we just we we get outraged at thousands of people instantly and, and they get outraged at us for, versus just individuals or local right i mean like it's the same kind of of it as you're saying it seems ridiculous but but that is kind of how we are on the internet now, right? Yeah, I mean, just people just, cancel culture and people just you just you, you go from you're I ride with you until until I'm ready to cut you out of my life. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's it is kind of interesting in that regard. I if, think it's if, important if to fifty to, years to, later. It's the same same thing, right? It's important to note that these guys are essentially brothers, and that's and and I think and because you say that, Vince, that's and it's been so long since I read these stories. That's how I remembered them or at least wanted to remember them i I guess you know rose-colored glasses but um there were times i remember arguments especially with the three panels that have been probably reproduced and shared more often more than any yeah um i i know that you know there are some issues in in the first story in in um leave where my mic but but it's um but i always i i remember them as as being a lot more friendly and and mm-hmm. not um not egging each other on or or, or getting in each other's ass it was it, it's it, so obviously that isn't necessarily the case i mean they only have 20 22 pages to do this so so mm-hmm. things are yeah. things may be a little rushed um but but yes as as you pointed out with the whole flying off the handle very easily that may my wife would think that, that would explain a lot providing how much i consider these these issues so important to me <laughs> i'm guessing something in here may have stuck with me and maybe kind of helped form my personality but yeah um, i almost get the not- impression okay. that were they not so close the the point in the argument where they break away from each other and in in because they are close they have the recriminations if they weren't so close i'm guessing that they would just keep walking well we right. kind of get that when 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 hal takes care of 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 some businessman or 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 ollie finishes 
with some punks and they just walk away and it's like, yeah, they got what they deserved. And that's, you know, that's the end of it. But like you just like you're pointing out, yes, because they do have affection for one another, there there is that pang of guilt. There's that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that or or I should have listened to him or I, I could have listened, basically. Yeah. I think this is a duo that never should have been separated. I find Ali very interesting on his own. Hal, not so much. No, no. I'm not surprised. No, Hal is just, Hal is as interesting as the creative peak of the guys that write him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sure, he's he's interesting when Morrison writes him, because Morrison is a a creative, uh, extremely creative man who finds angles that the, the majority of writers wouldn't, see or wouldn't at least examine or 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 try and flesh out more whereas if you get like a mundane writer hal's gonna be boring right um but ali to me has had has always been more interesting because he's the freedom fighter and and he's the activist and the anti-authoritarian right that is infinitely more interesting to me than a space cop Mm -hmm. you know but it's when you put these two guys together that they real and kudos again to Danny O'Neill for for realizing that they complement each other so well. You put Green Lantern and Green Arrow together, and there's magic because they play off each other so well. And I I would love to see a continuation of that today. Like I, Morrison did use Ollie, I I, I know, yeah. but I would love to see an ongoing Green Lantern Green Arrow book. Right? Yeah, this, I was going to. Um, Okay. Now, I was just going to say that, that, that I, I agree with the angle you guys are taking here, which is that my perception of this was always that it was um, almost like a, a, a big buddy cop road trip uh, where they're kind of drinking brews and going through the world, seeing it all. And then occasionally busting up some social injustice. I mean, it's called hard traveling heroes. Yeah. Where's the traveling? And like, yeah. And like they are in a car together and stuff. But at the end of the day, I agree. Like there's very little. Other than you're just supposed to know it, there's very little that reminds you that they're actually bros. Like, there's not a lot of broing out. They're they're not stopping at uh, random uh, uh, pawn stores and uh, and making YouTube videos for their patrons. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, well, like, uh, they're at a loss no, there because they could have scored a lot of go- good books I'm for a little bit though, of money. Right? Yeah. But, but and the other thing is, is 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 I you know they're they're brothers for life though because you call me a Nazi once, I get past it. You call me Nazi like ten times. We got issues. Like if right. we're not like brothers, and and uh, Ali was very apt to just any time house it something. <laughs> Whatever Nazi, that's what Hitler said. And it's like, all right, dude, like relax, okay? Like, yeah. I mean, but uh, for all of uh, Ali's activism, he has an inherent laziness in the way he deals with adversity. If if you well, are because he's, he's a rich and title kid, his his idealism is born out of uh, out of ideology. It's not born out of life. He didn't right. he didn't grow up. He, he didn't he didn't suffer those things those injustices. He uh, you know he's well I guess well back then he like, didn't. Oh, now they've they've retconned a lot of his no right right yeah. right. But you know I mean I mean yeah. So he's he's it's it's like uh, you know it's like the Goldman Sachs partner who becomes a you know that's a super liberal guy after the fact right and and again in in contemporary society it's like the uh the trumpers throwing the libtard around and and they they use it all and we do it too we say trumpers so it's it's problematic to both sides but ali just 
in in the heat of the moment that's his go-to you are you are you are not socially liberal therefore you must be a nazi Mm -hmm. right just like um it's true we call everybody fascist now so i guess sure i mean yeah but i mean in some cases it's apt but in most but ali probably thought it was apt in the time too yeah yeah the um this is one of those series that um is a happy accident just like with uh giant size x-men being born out of a bunch of reprints and and we're canceling the series so let's just do something when when julie schwartz gave green lantern to denny o'neill um and he was considering what path to take the possibilities for for some of the stories um he figured green arrow was the logical choice because um at the time justice league of america which Green Arrow, because which we're both members of, um, it was a sort of a holding company for characters. This is from the introduction that that had lost their own magazines during a marketing recession. Has been sorry, Vince, like Hawkman, and never quite was as like Green Arrow. Um, so I take advantage of his fluid status um, in a Justice League story, which had him lose his fortune, and in doing so, precipitate his friends into a crisis. So he he was then he was allowed to use. Green Arrow and Schwartz had um, trusted him based on uh, past work that you know he knew whatever Denny wanted to, to write or come up with would have been fine to, to publish. So um, it could have been it could have been anybody if they decided no, I don't want you to use Green Arrow because someone else had some plans for him. We could have gotten something else, but um, this worked out fabulously. Can you imagine? Um, I, I think the the current climate um writer that would handle this as well as denny would be mark russell that's a great pick i yeah I yeah give it any thought, but that's a good pick yeah. yeah yeah i think i think he would slay a green lantern green arrow book um he, we know he's he's very uh he, he writes social themes he integrates social themes into his work seamlessly to the point where it's not so preachy uh, that's why I think you you need a uh, a writer with a soft touch that can make mm-hmm. you think, but not say knock on your door and say, "Yo, I'm gonna make you think," right? And that's what I uh, I think Denny did too. There's some heavy-handed stories, but for the most part, it it's a soft sell. Like w- when you have a couple of of um, a white lumberjack and a white businessman beating the crap out of a Native American. What more do you need to say, right? Uh, it, it, he didn't go deep on the, uh, the reasons why these, these guys are, are, uh, beating the crap out of this Native American. It's inherent. We know uh, the, he said what he needed to say and he didn't beat that dead horse. It's not a dead horse, but he did, he didn't beat that drum over and over and over and over, you know, where like that would be the approach of a, of a, uh, uh, a less controlling or a more controlling writer where they'd like to just keep hammering that point because that's the theme we have to hammer the theme home not not necessarily you you can you can plant that seed and let the reader run with it and that's what denny did i think and that's what mark russell does that's a great point yeah yep um and i i didn't realize it the last time i read it um but the story 
catapults out of the Guardian's desire to investigate this thing called humanity. They uh, send Hal and in tow uh, Ollie, but they um, they position a Guardian with them to experience the ups and downs of, of being human. And in the past, I just thought, okay, they got to tag along. You know, he's observing. But the trip was not made in the service of the Guardian. It, it may uh, that would be the cover story for Hal and Ollie, but I think they made this trip for themselves. And this this read through, I see it's it's more them trying to find America than it is to show America to the Guardian. Like that's just a bonus, uh, you know. Uh, but I, I really think that these two guys were struggling. It's in the first chapter. They're, they're they're struggling with their position, Hal more than Ollie, and they they needed to work it out. They needed to go on a vision quest, and the Guardian was just the excuse to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I, I thought that the 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 thing that struck me as the oddest from a structural standpoint was the inclusion of the Guardian because to me it seemed redundant. Because to your point, Vince, I took it as the book starts with how basically all he's saying, dude, wake up. Like it's not black and white. Like you're, you're on the wrong side of this. You're on the wrong side of a lot of things. Cause you don't think about it beyond the, the just the rule. And it seemed to me like this was about really Ollie getting how to understand that the world is nuanced and complex. And so having the guardian there who is even in more concrete, cause he's literally an alien perspective of it too. It just seemed a bit redundant to me. Uh, it almost took away from the fact that, that, this was Hal's journey to become more woke, you know? Um, and and I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons they kind of abandoned the Guardian partway through and thought, okay, well, we're done with that now. It's just going to be about Ali and Hal. Yeah. Uh, could be. So. Could be. Yeah. Uh, I asked David if we could broach this subject beforehand because, you know, this is a work that's very near and dear to his heart, and I didn't want to throw a shadow over it. But... um Green Lantern, 80, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, 85 and 86 was lauded as being a uh, breakthrough work in mm-hmm. comics. Those were yep. the, the Roy Harper drug issues. And mm-hmm. they got a lot of attention and, and they, they did seminars and talks on this. And it, it's regarded as a very um, uh, exploratory pair of issues that they. For its time, in particular. Uh, definitely yeah. for its the time. Shocking truth about drugs. Yeah, right there yeah. on the cover. But. And this is where you know I'm honest. Um, Got to give props to Stan because the Amazing Spider-Man trio of 96 to 98 was conceived and committed to paper four months prior to this. Mm. Yes. Which is why 85 and 86 have the approved by the Comics Code Authority right. stamp on the cover. Yeah. Whereas the Amazing Spider-Man issues did not because by the time Stan's story finished, the code unclenched a bit and realized that um, oh, okay. it's you, a story that could be. You know who could flesh this story out magnificently? Who? Roy Thomas. He, <laughs> we, we could get a bird's eye view of this because Roy was in the thick of it in 71. Yeah. And, and he would know because I'm, I, just, I just wonder, 
Denny was already when it, when um, ninety six hit the stands. Denny was let's see already probably the first two issues of um, GLGA were published right, mm-hmm. and he was so he was working on it. I wonder if he saw what Stan did, and because he was probably scrambling to come up with socially relevant themes to insert into the series. I wonder if he saw what Stan and company did and thought drugs. That's a that's a great angle. I could because it's a necessary uh, exploration it, it, with with teens and and um, the like, where you need to 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 school them on the the horrors of of drug abuse, right? Uh, I th- I'm wondering if if Stan was the instigating factor of this. It seems obvious that he was, but I don't want to just assume. Right, that 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 Denny saw it and said, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. But I'm I, I I would almost guarantee that Roy would know. Yeah. When 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 did the public service about not doing drugs become a thing? Oh, because it was always re- a thing for me growing up and for me. Well, yeah, seventy four. Well, thanks, but yeah, thanks to Nancy Reagan. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, but but I mean, I didn't. I because this was again nineteen seventy. So. Uh, I know it couldn't, at least in the public domain, it wasn't very common because that's why the that's why the the Harper issues are well, and I guess the ASM issues, but uh, are are lauded for for what they are, which is because it just you didn't see this kind of thing uh, dealt with the, uh, overtly before, or at least not very often. So yeah, I can remember anti drugs in comics, um, not integrated into the stories. They were little spots, um, maybe like no, say no to reefer and that kind of thing. Yeah, like, like on the the uh, the ad pages, or mm-hmm. um, and and David, you brought it up before that classic um, spread where the black man puts his hand on on Hal, and we've seen that reproduced a million times. Mm-hmm. How fortuitous was it that that part of the story appeared on a half page with the ad? I would hazard to guess that if those panels were integrated into a full page, they would never have been as reproduced as widely as as they had. It, it was almost it, it's like it all, they almost made the decision for them because it was very easy to just um crop out yeah the ad and just run yeah. with what was already there. But no, I mean it's it's a worthy reproduction because that is one of the greatest sequences I think in in Bronze Age comics, right? But um, where was I going? Oh, it, you would see the anti. Hey, kids, don't do drugs, or you know. Right. But the first time I really saw an ad on television for no drugs was I'm guessing the old frying pan. This is your brain. Really? Yeah, so that's Even like what before eight, I learned it from watching you. That's <laughs> that's that's what eighty five. The frying pan ad. It's eighties. I know that. But yeah. I, I don't know where it falls in the in the the decade. I'm thinking right. smack dab in the middle, and and the Nancy Reagan stuff, right? Which would have right. been, yeah, that was all exactly because that yeah. was like Saturday morning cartoon that's what, stuff, yeah. right? And because I mean that I'm sure I'm sure because of her, um, of her that, that being her call to arms, that was um, that's why you got all the ads. That's why you got the the Teen Titans Keebler drug issues with the protector, and it, it's there were. Yeah, in the '80s, everybody was like, "Yeah, this we we, we should talk about this." But um, 
it because I remember the after school specials too, and and right. that oh, was it. so so. Uh, and again, I mean that's that's post sixty nine seventy seventy one. So um, yeah, I think I think it was. I'm sure people. It was one of those things where I think you wouldn't expect to see it in in comic books. It all depends on on where it's 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 like you know you may. It's like the different strokes with the with with the, with the pedophile. Yeah, so it's like it's, 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 <laughs> he, he knows his name. Like, well, yeah, it was a redhead kid. It was his friend Dudley. Um, it's it's no, Dudley those... wasn't. It wasn't no, Dudley. Th- Dudley was his black friend, his best friend. The redheaded kid was Sam, who becomes his adopted because that's right, his stepbrother. Yeah, I'm sorry. Come on, bruh. I'm sorry, a freak. I, I, You're just I, a, a flying freak. You remember those names? That's crazy. Oh. Well, dude, a different strokes is one of my shows, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean yeah, yeah. All, uh, all those shows were my jams. I watched them a thousand times each. I got to be totally honest. A lot of the comics I was reading in the late seventies were like, take as many drugs as you possibly can. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah, some of right, the stories right, yeah. were, I mean, yeah, a lot of the underground stuff. I mean, that's what even, but but even, I mean, what Starlin was doing with the cosmic stuff was because same thing with uh, Engelhart and and Doctor Strange. It was yeah. I mean, they, they they pretty much said so in in all the interviews and and the biographies, the histories. But it's because of what they were imbibing that allowed them to tell the stories they were telling. So um, it's you could tell you know, someone's not going to come up with, with with Thanos and Eros and and if if you're Jim from accounting, that's not who's telling that story. So no, definitely um, not. And it, again, it, it's it's. They didn't throw a blanket over it. Uh, well, Nancy and, and the anti-drug people did. They threw a blanket. Like, all drugs are bad. But the uh, the creative people know that the subject is very nuanced. And there are horrible, uh, unbelievably addictive substances out there that will do very much damage to you. But there are other ones that are put on this planet to uh, enlighten and inform and teach and i'm not going to go there i'm just saying that it's right. it, that that drug issue is as nuanced as any of the issues uh covered in this trade paperback mm-hmm. so were were which issues were your favorites in this collection mm. hmm. um my f- all-time favorite issue out of all of them and i know it's saying a lot because 85 and 86 are heavy hitters. Um, I got to go with 78 as my favorite issue. The uh, introduction to Black Canary. Um, mostly because of the way it's drawn. Like you could tell that Neil was very much enjoying the inclusion of Black Canary. Because we get the standard fight sequences with, with Ollie and Hal... But when Canary went into the, the thick of things, she got her own page. It's a good yeah. point. And, yeah. and he just did a ballet of her just dealing with the adversity, featured only her in the sequence and her, and her uh, uh, attackers. But I think there, there was much love lavished on Black Canary in the series. And it comes to um, the first instance of it is in 78. I, I, plus, it has the, the psychic um, cult leader. And, Josh you know, that, that always gets me, right? But, no, I think 78 is my favorite issue. That's a good one. I yeah, like it. I like, it's a cool issue. It, it, again, it doesn't pack the punch as a lot of the other issues. But visually, um, come on. You put a blonde with fishnets 
drawn by Neil Adams and and ink yeah, that's by facts. yeah ink by uh, Frank Giacoya. Come on, like um, I I prefer Frank over um, oh my god I'm blanking out um, Giordano. Giordano did a good job inking, yep. uh, but there's one panel that that stands out on the Giordano is when I believe it's Hal or could possibly Ollie that boops her nose in the one story where they're off planet. He does a little boop on her nose and she, she looks at his finger like that's a magnificent panel. But uh, I think the way black canaries handled visually is Frank is, is the best inker over, over Neil. And, and I shouldn't focus on, on just Diana, but she's beautiful. And she she has grace, and the way that Neil took great pains to portray her as this this uh, the the female embodiment of 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 grace on the page while she's kicking the crap out of out of these thugs, it's it's wonderful. I, I do very much enjoy some Black Canary, so I'm with you on that. But I I think for me it would be it would be I mean I think well eighty six and eighty seven because I mean. John Stewart. You get to John Stewart and he's like he's an angry black man, John Stewart. Yep. He's not he's not calm, like tactical engineer leader of the Justice League unlimited cartoon, John Stewart. He's I'm a whoop that ass, John Stewart. And that's that's similar to how Russell wrote him in the uh Green Lantern uh Huckleberry Hound one shot, because it was set in seventy two, so it's mm-hmm. very it was very much um he was kind of Harkening back to his um, his roots, yeah. I mean, it's it's nineteen seventy one. It's it's it was it was appropriate um, for, and he, and it's not like he was just a straight up angry black man. He was. I mean, he he stood up to the police who were just like just kind of abusing their authority, and um, and and then when and he had his methods during his little trial run, um, and I, I don't. I'm I'm sure. It's probably come up in the years since, Jason. But were you aware that um, Guy Gardner was initially he would have been Green Lantern if Hal wasn't closer to where Abin Sir had crashed, and he was going to be the next Green Lantern. It, it was basically Hal's backup, and um, and it was a bunch of issues where he was still in the hospital when he finally. He comes out years later, but, um, but so, yeah, so, I mean, that, that whole purpose of, of that issue was, I mean, aside from the introduction of John Stewart was, I, I, I appreciated the reminder that, Hey, Guy Gardner's Guy Gardner exists. He's, he's, he's here. Um, and obviously and it was before we got the attitude, that, um, we're used to with Guy, but I, yeah, I mean, Guy Gardner's become for better or for worse, a, a caricature, right? Almost pure. Uh, don't get carried away. <laughs> I mean, well, and I, I, I say that having not read even half of Guy Gardner's stories, but every time I've seen him, he's he's a like a he's just a bro, like hey, you jabroni, like he's not. I don't know. Yeah, but look what they did with Ice. Look how they 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 uh, they melted that that uh, that heart of. Uh, mm. I mean, I think that again, there there are some characters that just were made to be put together. And I think Guy and Ice is just a great pairing because she she calmed the beast. And well, and Jason she, hasn't gotten to that because uh, he hasn't read that that omnibus yet. That's true. 
he hasn't gotten hot and heavy into their relationship. I mean, I did know that they had a thing, but right, I yeah. yeah. You didn't. You haven't read the Bwahaha? Dude, jump. no, he's reading it in the omnibus. He, he no, just read the first yeah. omnibus. Yeah. Holy. We well, just talked about that. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Um, I, I appreciate the um, the the reason for for your issue, Vince, with Black Canary, especially, in, and we get his we, we get a nice little retcon of her. Yeah, it's origin. It's nowhere near the best issue. She but, looks great as a, as a brunette too, by the way. Of course, oh, absolutely, yeah, right? Wig, sure. And I got to give little... props to Grell. He did good things with brunette Canary too. But I, I guess I guess I should couch my pick of that issue as I admit it's not the best issue. In, no, that's yeah. No, story it, it wise, is, it's, it's not. But it's, visually, I think what Neil does with uh, I'm superficial in some respects, right? And I'm, I'm what, what? Yeah, I'm what he does with her is great. Because there's one issue that's inked by Bernie Wrightson. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, and that's another one where the story is kind of a whiff. Because I mean, okay, great, it's a plastic city and i mean and, and, but i mean carol looks fantastic and there there are over the years there have been I, I i vividly think of this run because um there are just images burned into my brain when mm-hmm. when hal is carrying carol away um mm-hmm. and his mask is on the ground left in the rain or or he in, in that same issue he's um he's plopping down ollie's Tightening the uh, the bowstring, and then Hal plops down on the couch, and and these are things where I'm just like I shake my head when Hal says things. It's like you know, yeah, you can um, when he talks when 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 Ollie wants to bring up rock and roll and listen to some music, and Hal's like, yeah, you listen to your sounds, I'll listen to mine. You still can't beat Dixieland. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> right? <laughs> can, can your ass be any tighter? <laughs> just the fuck. But I I, I, I just there are. Um, Yes, this is we we know my favorite DC character um, that is a Superman is going to be Green Lantern. It, it always has been, partly because of this. This is it, this is right after Gil Kane was drawing the character. Neil Adams does a phenomenal job of drawing both characters. This is pretty much the version of Green Ar- Neil redesigned. Green Arrow. Before this, he didn't have the beard. He had the it was the all green outfit with the red. And this was this was shortly after he had redesigned Green Arrow, so he got to really run with it here. Um, Phil Hester did great stuff on that run, started by Kevin Smith. But but this is the Green Arrow that I think about. Uh, it's it's it, it, this was part of what made this run so special to me was because it was so short. I don't remember. I didn't remember that there was never really much closure involved. It's not like this wasn't this wasn't someone writing. Oh, I'm going to tell. This wasn't Tom doing the Vision or or Omega Men. Where it's right. like this I is beginning, middle, and arc where there's it's a, just yeah. supposed mm-hmm. to be. You know, they were going to go with it as long as they did. It, it the series was canceled, which is why we got an ending. But Julia Schwartz wanted to at least let Denny and Neil kind of finish their tale, and and that's why we got those backup stories from from the flash um but even then it's like there were still ideas that were kind of that that they didn't get to follow through with like i'm gonna run for mayor and yeah. that, that that then didn't get to work with or, or or as a team they didn't get to it was just they, they threw things out there or whatever happened there were some things in these stories that 
any other writer, especially today, they would have just drawn out over multiple issues. It's like we had the, the, the issue where the Guardian goes to get judged. And then the next issue, he's back on Oa. And they're all like, no, no, this isn't, you know, he 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 wasn't, he didn't interfere. And it's like, anybody else might wonder, anybody who kind of scrutinizes stories and, and, and needs their hand held or, or really wants to understand how they went from A to B, they might want to know how they get from there to here and, and what happened. I mean, Hal and Ollie were walking away from him and they waved and now we're back. And, but these are just, it's like you trust the creators to, to, to tell the stories they want to tell from issue to issue. And, and for the most part, except for 85 and 86, they're all done at once. They're all, well, except for the last, the, the, the three main stories from, from the flash. But, um, this is a creative team that works extremely well together. Cause the, the, the one of the other options for the running for this month was, um, Stories involving Rachel Gould and Talia, and that's Neil and and Denny working together. And but there's there's one panel where when Ollie's ready to pack it in, and and he um he crashes the uh, crashes the aeroplane, and and he um he he which sounds not all that doesn't sound all that great when you say it out loud. He's just different in your head, but he crashes the plane and, and the panel is just Neil showing you Ollie unfastening the parachute and walking away. But, but then he's like, you know, below on the heather carpeted slope, the air is cool. Like then he sets the scene. Yeah. You see, he's not, he's not just telling, it's not a Claremont book where he's just telling you what you're already seeing in the panel. He's actually painting a picture, putting you in where I, I, I really, really do like Denny's writing. I mean, and it's, it's apparent in the question also where, where, where we know that, but I, this is really a team that probably, and, and that's something else he points out in the introduction where things were getting tense towards the, towards the end of this run as, as they were nearing the, what was going to be the end of their run. And, 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 um, Apparently they saw very little, they saw eye to eye in, in very few things in life. And, um, I, I guess some of the, some of the best work comes from people who, who, who tend to, to butt heads or don't opposite attract. But, uh, I, I'm just very thankful that they were able to work together and, and, and produce something like this because it, it, it is very near and dear to me, but it is, it, it is a work that, that I think people, it, you have to recognize when this was made and hey, someone reading this now, I mean, granted the way the world is now, this feels very fitting and, and maybe timely, but, but the language, the lingo, uh, the dress, some of it may hurt your ears uh, said aloud, but um, it's still, it's, 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 I mean, people throw masterclass around a lot, but it, it's something that I think it, it is, it is, it is one of those works that, um, I think if if you're a fan of the medium, it is definitely something yeah. you you should consume. I think you're right in that there's an issue here of relativism, which is that if you have experience reading comics of this era, particularly if you read them as they were coming out, or you were young enough that these were your formative types of comic stories, I think the way you would interpret something like this today, or or many of the things we've done uh, book of the month of. Is going to be much different than if you're, say, a 21 year old who's listening to the show, uh, who's just never read much 
stuff before the mid nineties and, and you pick this up, right? Because um, it, it's, it's, it's the same as, as, you know, you and Cliff talk about your love of, of the old, the old timey movies. And I bust on them. It, it's, it's not that I don't appreciate the craft. It's just that I don't like that type of storytelling. Cause I had no nostalgia for it. Right. Um, whereas you guys very much do. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. I think it's the same thing here. And to your point, the first few pages of the, of this book are incredibly ham fisted. Like, like it's, it's beating you over the head. I'm the super liberal woke dude and you suck. And, and I'm the, I'm the super conservative dude who needs to be learned. Right. Like it's, it's, it, it makes you want to vomit. Like it's so like wallops you over the head. But that said, it's almost 400 page collection. And, and I, I read it in one sitting and I, I, and I just, I thought to myself after I was pleasantly surprised to your point about the fact that like, I knew what I was going to get into because I knew it was from 1970 and I, you know, so I, I, but, and since I knew the era, um, I viewed this on a relative basis as very well written, not overly verbose, not a ton of exposition, definitely different in terms of doesn't sound like they're often having real conversations that people would have today. Like, you know, say like what a, a modern comic would read like, but it was okay because for when it came out, I thought it was really, really well done. Like from a dialogue perspective. And, and, and again, I think it's easier to come to that conclusion having read lots of other stuff from this era. Right. If, if, if to your point, Dap, if, if you're, if you just, have you grown up in the last 15 years reading comics, this is probably going to seem to you like picking up a Claremont X-Men book is going to seem to you. It's just going to feel wordy and expository because because it, it's just again it's a relative thing. But on a but but for for its time, I thought it was extremely well 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 structured from a from a dialogue perspective. I think for the one, most part, one of the things you can say about Denny that does not apply to the vast majority of comic writers, uh, particularly um, like say Morrison and the poster child is Claremont. You cannot detect Denny O'Neill's fingerprint. He is one of the most transparent writers the medium has ever seen. Because you, if you got a neophyte and you put this down and you gave them the question to read or, or the Batman stuff, they don't even seem like they're written by the same guy. Because you, you, you cannot detect that Claremont, I hurt, or that massive string of, of exposition like Claremont just loves to, to, right. to jump into. And, and Morrison's wordplay or like even Gerber you you can tell when Steve Gerber wrote a story there's a um and then there was the the Engelhart trio of panels that that opened uh every story was it Engelhart who did that um no Wolfman Marv Wolfman yeah we always did the rain pelting the streets <laughs> rain seeping <laughs> under the door rain making it hard for dogs to go out and pee like you know the, the, you know, no, right. Or, or even modern times, like Bendis has the the close up talking heads in every story, right? Like, like the yeah, guys the hell, different tells. the hell, the hell, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. no, um, but <laughs> but Angle, or um, sorry, Denny O'Neill is is he's a window, and I think he shifted his approach based on what he was writing, which is awesome. Uh, and we don't see that very often. There's not a whole lot of writers that out there that you can't tell six or seven pages in uh, That's great if you've read them before who, you know, exactly you can't discern the identity of the writer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Ellis, we know right off the bat when, when Ellis sure. is writing something. But uh, just to get back to 87, I think 87 is the most relevant issue in the run uh, right now. That's this, probably why this, it resonated with me the most. Yeah. yeah, this would be the one that you hand to somebody and say, you, you know, comics were woke a long time ago. And it's 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 half the issue. It's not even a full issue. Right. Story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's just that, that that's a Green Lantern tale. And then Julie Schwartz writes the Green Arrow portion yeah. in the back of it. Um and I'm guessing maybe also that had to deal with them needing, because of deadlines, to do the reprint for 88. But mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, it's 87 is absolutely fantastic. I, I'm partial to, I, I have a fondness for 85, 86, because at least I, I had 85 in my hands at one point. Um, you were about to do some hair on, and then you read those issues. And I read those it. issues. I was like, "That's it. I'm done." I'm like, "I have an old man in my life who left me, went across country, <laughs> and I'm which which cracks it's, it's like that's the Oh thing. yeah, I'm gonna do drugs. Yeah. you left me. you left me here. I'm doing drugs. Like, come on, Roy. Um, but hey, at least you got to quit cold turkey thanks to thanks to Dinah. So, um, yeah. The uh, what wouldn't you do for Dinah? That's true. Uh, but I mean, I I I appreciate. And it's as much as I adore, as, as much as Green Lantern is, is my dude when it comes to, to comics. It's it. I'm. I think I I relate a hell of a lot more to Green Arrow. I mean, just his attitude for the most part, as far as you know, the bleeding heart and 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 you know, being aware of of fellow man's plights. Now, granted, he can go to an extreme because it's like everybody, everybody may deserve a, a fair shot, but I guess as soon as you as soon as you do as much as, as hard as he wants to be on Hal's case about being a cop and going by the rules. It's like, I'll, I'll give you a shot, but as soon as you do me wrong or stray, like Roy's Roy's his boy. And it's, and, but, but, Oh, now you're a drug. You get the fuck out of my house. Like we're done. Yeah. I, I can't. Well, so I mean, like, in, in, even in these comics, I mean, talk about cultural appropriation. He takes on the form of a, of a dead native American. I mean, yes. I know he's, but I mean, geez, like I gotta believe that wouldn't exist. <laughs> Exactly played so well in yeah, we're getting some tweets. Like, I mean, you know, at the time it was trying to make the point, but but I'm like, oh, that's wow, that's some serious cultural appropriation right there. Bit. <laughs> uh, the um, aside from um, the, and this is, I mean, this is one of those things where I knew I, I knew the word for some, and and it's just I, I was so dumb when I was younger. I I don't know why. I don't know why the hell. I thought when I saw the cover for 85, I know what the word means, but, but green arrow says my ward speedy is a junkie. When I see my ward, even though I would watch the Batman TV show and I know that that's what Dick Grayson is to Bruce Wayne for whatever reason, I thought green arrow kind of had like an accent and that was his way of saying in my word. And, and wow. for the longest, I couldn't shake it. It's like when I watch when, when I, when I watch star Wars, I keep wanting to call it tattooey instead of Tatooine. And I just, I don't know what it is. I, it got stuck in my head at one point and I can, I just can't shake it. So I, it, it, I don't Magneto kind of sort of, yeah, it's not yeah. even near the, the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> but all right. So, so, so um, we've obviously talked about, the collection without going into any sort of because again these are mostly done in one story so yeah. it's not like well, there, there isn't mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead no i was going to say just before we 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 turn the conversation away from the conceptual i i just getting back to our bonus app earlier in the week i, I just thinking about um 
you know that group that uh, that we that mm-hmm. go and, and named, but like they're very apt to make these YouTube videos and whatnot and talk about how the industry is being ruined by these SJWs, these social justice warriors, you know, and 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 their their uh, straw man argument, right? Like the the reason they say they're not malicious or a hate group is that you know their contention is purely that we love comics so much and it's all, all this forced liberalism that the fandoms don't really want it's just changing the, the core of what made these characters great like that's their standing talking point of of it's it's not about bigotry it's about the fact that they, that they really very much just like the way these characters were and i'm thinking this book was is 50 years old it's 50 fucking years old this book it came out before dap and i were born and vince was a was, was a toddler i yeah. mean like like and and i understand i understand the book wasn't a big seller and maybe it was hated i don't know maybe you guys know like maybe this book when it was on the stains most people would be like i'm not reading that fucking book like that's ridiculous and and if that's the case okay but but i was thinking like wow i mean this is just one of a trillion examples we could give about how comics have always had an underpinning of 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 social awareness yeah and, 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 you I, know I, and it's just it's just it's it, it's just it's you know it's hard to read this and think like man like i don't like this group claims to be these people already these old school comic fans. I'm like, if if you really are that, like how could you have read comics all this time and not come away with those messages? Like I've always felt like it's hard to be an incredibly closed off or conservative person and be a hardcore comic fan. Cause that's not what comics are generally about. Right. So I think the arguments, the arguments are a little, a lot of hooey because to your point, if you go and and you scan the entire breadth of the the creative lives of these characters. Peter Parker is the bigger biggest liberal in the the uh, Marvel universe. Captain America is a Democrat. There's no way that Captain America is a, a Republican. Uh, yes, he's he's a soldier and he does what needs to be done. But Cap is a Democrat. You, okay, Tony's a Republican. We know that, right? But I mean, look at just the the the, the slant that all these characters have. Ollie, liberal, right? Um, what about Batman. Uh, a debate about what he would be. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he. I mean, uh, the way he goes by his rules. I just and, think he's a political man. I yeah, I would say that. Politics. I would say that. Yeah. I think he thinks he's above that fray and just it's all nonsense. I would think Superman would be above it. I, uh, I think Superman's a Democrat. Oh, I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I, I, yeah. I truly believe for what he stands for. I absolutely yeah. think he's a Democrat, or yeah. at least what Democrat is today. Um, right. He feels what it means to be disenfranchised because he is an alien himself. He's an right. outcast himself. He, he. Uh, uh, well, this shouldn't be a Superman discussion, but for everything he's done for the planet and and the godlike status, uh, the, the population has placed him at. He's never going to be accepted as a human being because he's not. So I don't know, but just this is a an offshoot. But I, I love the way we can go down. Howard the Duck definitely a Democrat, right? Oh sure, yeah. Oh yeah. But it's neat to to uncover these these what uh, who to try and uh, spoon out the identity uh, of the core of these characters. But to say that that. Um, Social diversity is not what readers want. is is insane. It's 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 woven into the fabric of comics from day one because the people that created them were disenfranchised people. 
Jews. That's the thing, right? I mean, and not and 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 yes, you're right, right that, and we've made this point many times that, that that the vast majority of of these characters were created by Jewish men in New York, but but beyond that, I mean, I feel like even when we were coming up, I mean, there was a you know comics today, and I mean comics in the with the big C like comics culture is so different than when we were coming. When we were coming up, I mean, while I don't think any of us were ever embarrassed about being comics nerds, and we were very much open, like, individually were open about it to people that we knew, it was still like a, like, people looked at you funny, you know? Like, it was still like a, like, generally speaking, the comic fans that were the hardcore fans at the time we were coming up and went to the store all the time and had tons of back issues, I mean, we were... And again, I'm generalizing, but for the most part, as a collective, we were not like type A, most popular kids in school, right? I mean, I mean there, was a, there, was a, there was a component to being a comic fan, and I don't know, I've never really thought too hard, I never got on the couch about this, but like it, it was a, I, I think many of us had similar upbringings in that we maybe were a little bit shy or, or or a little left of center or we didn't feel like we fit in it perfectly and it was a it was a it was a way to find community and escape and uh, and again i realize i'm generalizing here i mean there were millions of people that read comics when we were kids and but i'm saying like i, I just feel like the whole culture until the movies and stuff happened were always very much niche and and uh and a bit obtuse so it's just, it's just funny to me. I don't like it was it was never the cool thing to be no. a comics fanatic, right? But and I mean, look we, at them. none of us did it to be cool. Like that was I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Not a person our age got to be the passionate fans that we and all of our listeners are now because it was cool to do, right? No. Like maybe once you get into the '90s and you get the boom, maybe then it was kind of like a cool thing. Kids did it because it was cool, and then nowadays, I mean, it's pretty much odd if you don't like superheroes in some fashion or form but 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 when we were kids man it was it was not like the thing you did to be cool you 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 had to be pretty self-confident to acknowledge to your friends much less you know significant others you're interested in that you were into comics right yeah (laughs) but you know what i'm getting on i'll I'll go on a tangent but to to what you just said about the 90s comics became more cool the outsider's approach to comics in the 90s was based on monetary value it wasn't yeah, it wasn't an appreciation for the art right. form that's they, why i'm saying like like i was i would that's why i was kind of throwing it out as a um uh, like a supposition more than yeah. a claim because because i could see though like i remember vaguely in high school though having buddies who were into like spawn and and jim lee's x-men and they were into them for the stories when they were net but that but but i'm saying there was like a small window where i think it was kind of cool from a pop culture perspective to, okay, well, to maybe, be into comics yeah. for certain that's all. most of the interactions i had with people outside of the hobby in the 90s were oh you like them comics so you got that turtles book i heard that's worth a lot of money yeah you know and yeah. stuff like that like they they would attach um or, or their their interest in it stemmed from the fact that this thing that they considered disposable and for nerds was now going for a couple hundred mm-hmm. bucks because they saw it on tv somewhere like, looks when I people like oh and I'd be like yeah I'm super into comic books and they'd look at me like oh okay and they wouldn't know what to do with it like they wouldn't even know like there was no follow up question because they yeah. were like I don't know what the like I, I have no idea where to go with this like I've been duly noted okay <laughs> you're, you're breaking up just a tad but um to get back to another thing that you said about um it wasn't the jocks and the that type the 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 socially upwardly mobile uh, kids in school. 
it's because of the foundation on which comics are based. It's a visual art form, right? So to be attracted to it, you have to have, at least in, somewhere in the back of your brain, an appreciation for art. Where to, to go see a movie, like the majority of the people did back then, or to watch a television show, it doesn't click that what you're seeing is art because it's just moving pictures. Mm-hmm. But comics are drawn by hand. They're they're produced on paper. There, there's a the the art is is fundamental to what they are. You can't take the art away from comics because then you'll have nothing. Right. That's and awful. and how many kids in school groaned through art class? They they had no conception of why they were doing this. They had no desire to express themselves on 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 paper or whatever medium. They wanted to play sports. They wanted to hang with their friends and get girls. Um, and, and whatever, uh, women want to do, I, I, back then. Uh, but what I'm saying is, did you see Happy Days last night? Yeah, that was awesome. You know, Fonzie's cool. And my group was talking about Spider-Man and, and, and all these, these characters. And wow, did you, how about that panel where Spider-Man punched the, the Green Goblin through the wall or the glider hit him in the, in the, like, that was awesome. I love the way that they, you would never see or hear um, an age level back then say, I love the way that scene was shot <laughs> or or that was really, yeah. gr- really great dialogue because they don't they're not there to appreciate the craft of it. They're there to experience the story. Right. Regardless of how it was made. But we used to say, man, the way Ross Andrew drew that glider smacking into the goblin was great and just look at the way like that was you needed to have an unconscious or or yeah, mostly conscious appreciation of art to get into comics it wasn't an art form for everybody and i think sure. i think the nerds and the science freaks and the the this this the socially outcast because to become socially outcast you have to have a a uh, uh, a love of things that aren't widely ex- accepted that makes you the outcast right so naturally we gravitated towards this stuff i like to think somewhere that makes sense it absolutely does oh i think so too yeah mm-hmm. yeah but uh and and I, I, <laughs> uh roy shoots up in costume that's odd um yeah and he's very clean too it looks like a brand new spoon. It's been, been very uh, recent. Well, it's not. It's not a fool. Right. Recently polished. Um, I I don't I don't want to dampen the thunder on this, but I don't think the the stories work when they go off planet. They just become. I, I, I they lack that special spark that the the Earth based stories have. When and that's the thing. I mean, when when they're when, when they talk about uh, overpopulation or if they want to talk about um, uh, love of machines and, and being judge and jury, it, it's like th- those stories could have worked on earth yeah. as easily as they I, it, it didn't. I mean, I get it because it, it involved the guardian and, and him overstepping and uh, therefore, and, and it was nice that his actions, there were actually repercussions and, and it wasn't like he just, disappeared from from the series and how's like yeah no he went back to oa and and then you know he and ollie did whatever they did there were there was an attempt but yeah those 
and especially the fact that they looked human. It's, it's not like yeah. you could have you you could have done this in downtown Detroit. Well, I mean, I understand why Denny and Company did it because the the diet of the regular Green Lantern reader would assume that he'd be out in space or or at least fighting a, a supervillain or um, doing something that involved uh, a fantastic element because that's what he is. He's a space cop. He's not an Earth-based cop. He, his, his jurisdiction is a sector of space. So they're used to that, that steady stream of off-world adventures. So I would guess that Denny was kind of hesitant to keep it all based on Earth because like this, this is not what they came here for, which makes this run really special. Um, but then for me, like when, when it, when they, they, they take that trip and they go off planet, it's like, all right. Uh, it doesn't have that, that, uh, inventiveness that the, uh, I mean, yes, you're right. The stuff could have been happening on earth and, you know, take the chance, keep it on earth. But I'm not, I'm not Denny. So, but they, they, um, that could have been editorial too. They they tried bringing space to earth with that one issue with the harpies. Yeah. Yeah. With that one paging by Bernie Wrightson. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, these are stories. These are issues. I think folks should read under, we don't need to go page by page. We don't, they they don't need to play by play of each issue. I mean, we, I think the magic is in the, in the telling. Yeah. Um, you should definitely be checking it out. But I mean, it, we 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 run the gamut from, you know, going to some sleepy towns that are um, being run by guys abusing the citizens and his henchmen are, <laughs> are <not laughs> I guess, members of the Hitler Youth Party. Because no, I mean, no, how they, old they were they the... in the 70s that they look like this now. <laughs> they were the ones left over from Operation Paperclip. Um, they like, didn't. They the didn't have out? any science-based use, so they said, they "Ah, like, whatever. Get these guys over there." They're not even in their forties, and it's like, "Oh, I understand my fear." It's like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "How did?" Okay, that's all right. But, um, and and we have, uh, of, of course, we get Black Canary and 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 the cult, and um, and and one of the other issues that are the cover for number eighty, which is you know they're with with guilty. And uh, the um, Green Lantern and Green Arrow and the Guardian are um, are on trial, and and that's that's when they're that's when they're off planet because they um, uh, the truck careens off a bridge, and there's pollution involved in in this story and um oh, it's a big topic in the 70s well yeah i mean it's just two panels but there's there's the pollution and, and obviously green green arrow is, is is not happy about it but it has to um it obviously um needs to be done because this will i mean they, they'll all die so it, it's an unfortunate incident but um i, I guess it's for the greater good but hal is knocked loopy and uh, so the guardian goes to um, take him to the hospital, and and that's when the Owens call him back because he's considered a lawbreaker, and um, he placed the where welfare of a single individual above that of the whole world. It was just a boat with some plastic, but okay. And and um, then and that's where the the two issues in in space 
bring us. Um, and that's kind of where we say goodbye to, to, to the Guardian. And and then we are on um, then we're on Earth, and we get we get a lot of Black Canary action in the. Um, it's so good. It's in the Harpies issue. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And that that, that one's inked by um, is inked by Dan Atkins. I think so. No, the Giordano. No, the Atkins was the. Uh, Wait, oh, not that. Mother. Was that the boop issue when he he boops her nose? Boops is is by um, that's that's when um, yeah that's. They're in space because he tells Black Canary that uh, she's um, it's showtime. She's gonna go into show business. Yeah, there and, you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, but how smart of it was Denny making the Guardians depower Hal's ring? Because if Hal's ring was at full efficiency, half of these stories would be unnecessary. <laughs> be over two pages, right? He's, I mean, he's having a hard time fighting human beings in some of these stories. And we've seen what Hal's ring can do. Giant boxing gloves. He could, he, he could use the ring. And uh, you mentioned the issue with um, the, uh, the lumberjack and the, the, you know, the, the compound that was set up uh, on the hill. No, that was the Ulysses Star one, right? Where they made the compound up on the hill. And if if Hal's ring was full power, he could just make a giant hand, go in, grab the entire compound, and just pull it away. Yeah. Problem solved, right? But he didn't because Denny was, was savvy and said, you know what? Let's knock this guy down a few pegs because we're investigating the human condition. And Hal's, with that ring, Hal's not too human. He does things that no human being should be able to do. So we'll 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 limit him. That's just smart. It is, and and that's that's part of the attraction with 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 Burn Superman is that he he depowered him, he made him he made him more human. It, it's he he actually based Superman's powers in in like more or less real world science as opposed to just the sun can make him move the moon, it's, right? Like that, yeah. That's you you do start doing stuff like that, and the human mind it looks cool on paper, right? But conceptually, you really can't wrap your head around somebody moving a planet, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, that's godlike. So I think again, Byrne was incredibly savvy to to knock Superman down a few pegs. He's still the the, the strongest, most powerful superhero in the DC universe, even in the Byrne run. But right. you know, he's not he's not the the god. Yeah, I I would love. Can we read that? Can we reread the Byrne Superman run? Yes. I think that's what's missing in my life. I've I've read it about three times, not within the past fifteen years, right? But I would love to revisit it again because those are some of like the best comics ever. I think. Okay. I don't mean, we, don't we, you? You do. do I mean, I, yeah. I bought, I, I bought I bought the first ten or so issues from at, at Heroes last time we were there. It, it's I, I will buy those issues whenever I can. I the the um you know, are cute. The, the, oh the, no! The, you really got to read them. They are phenomenal. I have read them. Oh, the, the first, the first ten I, trades uh, the, of 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 um are all the burn era stuff between Superman Adventures and and Action Comics, and it's all and burns almost two years. I I seriously appreciate. It. I'm 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 glad he was able. To, I would have loved to see it continue. And yeah, and there were there were problems because of what he did by by racing Superboy and what that meant for the Legion, but. Um, we'll definitely save that for when we talk about that. But yeah, but real uh, talk: if Byrne didn't do what he did, Bendis would not be 
be no, able we to do have it. what Bendis did because we wouldn't have what Jurgens did. We none of it. What did, none so, of it. Yeah, yeah none of it. Yep. The uh, the fumes for the Swan uh, era and before Superman were fading really fast when Bernhard got his his hands on the character because. But if you're gonna go out, who better? than Alan Moore. Oh, sure. To tell your last story. Right, so, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, as a Marvel fan, um, I had read an issue or two of Superman here and there. There was absolutely no attraction to that character then <laughs> because it, he wasn't real to me. I loved it. I loved it all. Not the, I don't know what it was. Not the, I, I, the burn, pre-burn. Right, no. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, no, I, I, I the Silver it, I, Age I, stuff. I was like, what is the fascination with this character? He's... This is not fun. I would Comics much rather be ridiculous. It, a yeah, lot of, a, a lot of the Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson and and it, a lot of that the Carrie Bates stuff, it, it was silly and 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 almost moot because nothing nothing changed. There was no by the time you you, you read twelve pages, there was everything was still the same in Superman's life. Yeah. Lois didn't know. Steve Lombardi was was a doofus. Uh, Perry was yelling at Jimmy for calling him. Nothing changed and and, um, but. You still, I mean, I, I whether it was Kurt Swan, whether it was Ross Andrew, whether whoever was drawing Neil Adams, whoever was drawing the character, I, I, I enjoyed, it. and I, I, right. I, I really enjoyed DC Comics Presents because at least he got to play off another character. Oh, that's you. That's untouchable. DC Comics Presents. Yeah, you don't mess with that. But, <laughs> but there, there were decades, decades in the Superman mythology where nothing really happened. Right. Yeah. It was the same stuff over and over and over. Now, as my, as I aged and my willingness to accept things that fell outside of my very narrow window of taste, as I brought those things in and read them, yeah, I see now that that Silver Age Superman stuff is fun and it's, it, it tickles a, a very unique spot in the uh in 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 my mind in in my tastes but back then i i wanted nothing to do with that no uh-uh. this is not peter parker this is not Spider. no <laughs> the um uh and, and it wasn't even super friends that made me like because because superman was bland in in that cartoon but I, maybe it was christopher reeve i don't there was something about superman that just um Maybe it's because you know members of the tribe created him. I don't know, but there was just something about yeah. Let's uh, yeah. um, so bring getting getting back to the book of the yeah. Month, let's though. bring Jason back into it. Oh, I was going to uh, say you, you nothing <laughs> nothing can get me to go on mute quicker than to talk about Superman. So <laughs> what what kills me about this collection not kills me. What I appreciate is that even though well it's the book of the month. So even though Sinestro shows up for like three pages, the only other Green Lantern villain is Blackhand again for just a handful of pages, but but it's other than that, like there was no nobody decided. Oh, like anybody taking on a character now? Oh, I want I, it, this is going to be a story for the ages. I want the character to take on his most most fearsome and deadly foe. It's going to be uh, the an event to to just that, that's going to knock everybody's socks off. This was then he was like, I don't I I don't I don't care who his arch enemies are. This is I'm just. I'm, I'm telling the story about these two characters who politically, socially don't don't really see eye to eye. And and I mean, and, and there's just so many things where it takes Ollie two seconds to put his foot in his mouth with Dinah. And it's just like she shows up 
and he's like, hey, let's do this, and they do that, but then he throws water on the waiter because he didn't like or the dude because he didn't like the way he was looking at her, and it's like, I'm like, I again, it's I, my man is a massive hothead. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's protective. I get it. I mean, you know, listen, I'm there. He he acts on the thoughts so many of us might have in those situations, and and it's it's nice to see the effects of that. If we went through all those motions, then we at least we know how it would play out. Because you would think that hey, my lady would be impressed because I stood up for her, and 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 I didn't like the way some dude, would, even though. She's a grown-ass woman. She can handle herself. She doesn't need you to say, hey, I don't like the way that guy was... Right. But still, it's it's Ollie. Ollie and operates got- on the male perception of what he thinks a woman wants. Ollie doesn't take a, a second to consider that maybe there are different things going on in this woman's mind right he doesn't put himself on the other side of the table he just sees what he thinks is the his way the right way i mean he he's not obnoxious he's not a bore well he can be but i mean he he's not a bore he he just he's been touched by an angel and he wants to continue to be touched by an angel so he's always on the ready to rip the throat out of anybody that threatens to come between him and his angel. I get it, right? But I think realizing that, or at least letting her know that he trusts her and he he genuinely is is honored to be in her presence. Like, let a woman know that. Don't, you know, rip up, open the shirt and like, oh, she mine. You know, like, that's not going to get a woman to stick around. I don't think. From based on the women that I've been around, that that almost never works. The um, Maybe issue eighty four, uh, Pearl and Plastic. A couple of things about this issue. Number one, the cover. Do you know whose photo that is on the cover? I did. I don't anymore. Um, wait, let me bring it up. Eighty four. You said. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's someone in the DC office. It is. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I read the tale of this at one time, but I completely forgot it. Who is it? It's Carmine. Carmine. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Because um, for a long yeah, time, that is I'm Carmine. At it, yeah, you're and, right. And, and I'm thinking, and I think maybe inside the issue where, 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 where the doctor is drawn. Because for the longest time, I thought, I thought Mario Cuomo was, was, was drawn. It does look a lot like Mario Cuomo, doesn't right? it? Right? So that's yeah. what I was like. So I had, to, I, I, I had to double check. I had to verify that so, for, for the episode. And again, but, it's a stat. So it's not the best photo in the world. Like No. You know. But it works. It works in that instance because he's talking. But um, but this issue is so heavy with the gaslighting because it's like you have one opinion, but then the, the perfume hits you and someone just it, – it, it's the way it's, – it's just like when – when a dipshit is is talking and and his supporters say yeah 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 that's that's right yeah take take the hydrochloroquine it it's it, it'll work for it, it's like <laughs> perf- she's like green lantern saved us he you know we, we almost had that explosion and the perfume hits her and he's like yeah no no he's a menace he he it was his fault like if he didn't show up then it wouldn't have happened she's like yeah yeah that's right it was his fault and i'm like this is insane that yes we were like the john stewart issue aside where things that are being said are relevant to today and the plates we're facing but i mean even just the the the, the standard attitude p 
people have towards uh, they can turn on on a dime. It's 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 so apparent to to today. This really was. I mean, I'm I'm. It's weird. I'm glad we're able. I'm glad this one and we're able to talk about it now because of the way the world is. Uh, it's unfortunate that this is the way the world is, but I don't know if this would have had such an impact or resonated again if if we had read this a year and a half ago. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, if this was five years ago, pre-Trump, right, and we were kind of all in this now, in retrospect, <laughs> myopically ridiculous view that the world has actually changed for the, for the better. <laughs> I would have probably been like, ah, it's pretty heavy-handed. It's pretty cheap. Like, the world's come a long, to, long way since then. You know, like, yeah, no, I think, I think the, the timing is everything. And, and, and reading this now versus had this been a book of the month four and a half years ago would have been a much different conversation, at least for me. Yeah, well, I, I got to be transparent on this one. As a middle-class white dude who never experienced anything like this or the issues in this run it i guess you can give trump credit or at least <laughs> uh, not not credit i don't want to give the guy no, credit but but having these issues because of social media thrust in my my viewpoint or my my, my viewport that's when i became most aware of them before this yes i i realized that there was a problem with systemic racism but i didn't see examples of it an overabundance of examples of it every single day constantly and, and but you need that you need to make those that that aren't of that that you do, that aren't at the center of that aware that this stuff is going on, and I think that this is a very valuable run because it tried to do that. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a world worldwide network of interconnected um, machines that could transmit information in the blink of an eye. These were things that came out on a monthly basis, and the vast majority of the population didn't even know that they existed. Right. So, or even if they did, they, they relegated them to the stuff of children and nerds. Like, how could, how, how, uh, socially relevant can this crap be? It's a guy that can move planets, like whatever. But so, yeah, and, and I chalk it up to the Twitter storm and the fact that there is a person that is, that has lifted up that rock and shown us all the disgusting things underneath. So, I'm, I learn on a daily basis about this stuff. And because we have friends who are affected and, and we hear their stories and we hear the stories of people we don't even know, uh, that's what's making me aware. So you need stuff like this. You got to slap the, the middle class white guy in the back of the head and say, dumbass, there's problems mm -hmm. in the world greater than yours. Right. I, just speaking as, as that person that I was, I was walled off for a lot of years. You know, and not because I, I I didn't have the capacity to realize that there are things that affect people other than myself. It's just I wasn't exposed to it. I live in freaking Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. So uh, I I very much appreciate this series for continuing to educate me on somebody other than myself, or yeah. the the plight of people other than myself. There there is a panel in 
85, where Green Arrow and Green Lantern show up at um, at an apartment where um, where Roy is talking to his fellow junkies and and um, and Green Arrow's like, hey, you know, so you must the you must be here undercover, right? I mean, like this. Why else would you be here? And 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 next panel on the page, our characters are all the way in the background, and Neil decided to do a close up on a pen set for a desk featuring a couple of rhinos. I absolutely love that panel. I don't know why yeah. he decided to <laughs> just make that the focus of the panel, but it's one of those things where I mean, I, I there are some panels where you could tell he was experimenting because. Neil Adams is the same guy who showed us Ant-Man go inside Vision. I mean, yep. Neil does some amazing work, no doubt about it. I I, I love his design sense. I, I, I love where he decides to take things. When when he's drawing a character, he's telling someone's origin, he draws it inside a silhouette. Of the, I, I, he's great. And in there are times where I'm just like, I would have really liked to have seen maybe that character a little more than than, than a death set accessory, but still. But but the, That could have the, been an act of desperation or at least uh, uh, the dreaded deadline doom. As, look at the detail. And but that I mean, Neil was doing ad work at the same yeah. time he was doing this. So That's that right. may have been a cast yeah. off from a job he was working on currently. It's just, like, just fuck it. I'll right put two there. pens in the thing and it'll right. be like, you know, it's inventive. And, and, oh, yeah. and I do love that panel because it's so unexpected. Like, two yeah. two rhinos in the foreground. Like, this, right <laughs> what? I oh. do feel like, like, Thus far, I mean, unintentionally, we've given Neil a bit of short shrift here. Yeah, I was we just going to go a lot into about that. the message and the story and the narrative and the dialogue. And, you know, ultimately, I think for most people, this is remembered because it was one of Neil Adams sort of coming out seminal works. Right. I mean, and and again, I mean, we all have our own histories. I was not a DC kid. So my admiration for Neil Adams is far more academic than nostalgic. I have made a point in the last 15 plus years to read, see, examine a lot of the the work that Neil has become legendary for. And so I feel like I'm conversant in it and I'm, I can I can picture it in my head and I can speak on it. But 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 it holds almost no nostalgia for me because I, I just none of it. Most of his work that was deemed important was stuff I didn't read as it was coming out or even shortly thereafter. It was stuff I read again from a historical, let me get my doctorate in comics and make sure I understand this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so I've never, I guess, versus some of the other artists that I hold so dear, I've never given a lot of thought to what makes Neil Adams special. Um, at least in terms of if some rando non-comic fan said, well, why is Neil Adams so important? Um but I have to say, like it, I think you said it that like, his design sense is incredible. It, 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 he, he's almost incapable of drawing an unattractive. Well, that, back then he was almost incapable of drawing an unattractive, an unattractive being. I think, um, and uh, I really, really did find the visuals in this to be um, uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, it, and and it's not as though uh, his stuff looked particularly different on some level than a lot of other things of the time, but it just seemed crisper, more refined, and and some of the choices he made uh, in terms of the actual storytelling, I think, is where he sets himself apart. It, it it's sure the the he drew great looking figures, lots of people did, but but it's 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 the 
it's the quirky little moments where you kind of think you've got him figured out and you think, okay, he's a really good superhero artist. And then, and then all of a sudden he gives you a panel or a page and you're like, Oh, okay. Just, so I, again, I don't profess to be anywhere close to a Neil Adams expert, but, but I, I do think that this was, it was very much, I want to make sure if people listen to the whole episode, they come away understanding that I, I mean, this is as much a Neil Adams triumph as it is a, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's a Neil together. triumph. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would not have, if, if, the stars had to align. If it, it wouldn't have been as great if it was just Denny, it wouldn't have been great if it was just Neil. It, it, it's it's them coming together to tell the story with these characters, tell these stories, and and it, it's them working together is is what makes it work. I think that that's why. Um, I mean, because there are plenty of comics where you kind of yeah, that, that was a pretty powerful story, and 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 I came away thinking this, but I mean, them working together, coming to do this. Is is why I think it's so long last. I mean, when Neil, Neil just, what I love about Neil, Neil's work and it, that same issue when when um, when they decide when when the Nerduels shoot up, um, Hal and Oliver, or sniff they, they they have him breathe in the drugs, um, and then and this is crazy. So so they're going to call the cops because okay, the bad guys call the cops on Green Lantern and Green Arrow and they're going to find them high and they're going to see that it's Green Lantern and Green Arrow who are the real drug addicts and the real menace. Meanwhile, these guys have saved the planet how many times, but the beat cops are going to say, yeah, okay, no, these guys, we got to arrest them because they're obviously high, but they're obviously the reason why we have this this drug pandemic, but so the cops show up, and Neil Neil draws a panel of the cops running towards the hangar, and it's just you see the bottoms of their of their shoes, and it's like I I love the fact that we're getting movement. You're getting Neil is just moving the story along, and 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 yes, I mean cops had to move to get from the car to the hangar, but but you can actually feel them running towards the location, and 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 then when when Roy is slapping. Hal awake. Um, if if and, and Neil has said this, if if superheroes are real, they would look the way Neil Adams draws them. And and I mean, when Ollie is standing there in a turtleneck, and I mean, I Ollie looks like someone you would know in real life. I mean, the, the way Neil draws fabric and the way he draws clothes hanging off people, and I I just I, Neil is an absolute. He's a phenomenal artist. The, the man is without a doubt. Um, someone that I think superhero comics needed it. It's it. He's just someone that elevated the, I, the way he's drawn Batman, the way he's drawn these characters, the, the way he's drawn. I, I love his vision. I, I, I think of that when, when, when I, th- and, and he, it's not like he was on the Avengers for, for months and months. He drew a handful of issues, but it, it's still his, his images, his, his panels, his covers, they're, they're, they're things that I've seen Neil Adams draw that have just, that have stuck with me my entire life. I close my eyes. I think of the Muhammad Ali versus Superman cover. I just, there's, I, I owe more to Neil for the joy that I've had over comics than, than, than practically anyone else considering what he's drawn and he's drawn a lot. But I mean, when I think of other artists, that I have in, in, in my collection and, and that I've read over the years, I, I think other artists have drawn, I know other artists have drawn more than what I've read that Neil has done, but Neil is one artist that has absolutely stuck with me more than just about any other. 
Mm, I, yeah. Um, you guys know I love Neil. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. And I think Neil peaked. Uh, I do too. At continuity. You know, you know my issues with Neil these days. Yeah. Uh, cotton, I mean, continuity comics, uh, and, and the, the, uh, men and women that he schooled to produce artwork in line with what he did. I think it was visually, um, continuity comics he's never eclipsed those with me but anyway i i do love this and i love his batman work and i i i enjoy and respect and appreciate everything to some to varying degrees everything that neil has done and he's vastly important in the history of comics the 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 michelangelo level attention to an anatomical detail be Mm -hmm. was not present in any great quantity before Neil. He, he, he took realism and uh, an, an illustrative approach to comic book drawing that wasn't there before him. So, yes, uh, but I think for as much good Neil did for comics, uh, he did uh, as uh, an equal amount of bad. Interesting. Yeah, because... It's the shorthand that makes comics work for me. It's the Kirby who is the language of comics. It's the Ditko. Um, it's the Carl Barks. It's the, the George Harriman that, that really l- infuse the work with electricity. I, I am very much in admiration of a man that could draw the human form in Every angle that Neil does. But that's not what I want to see all the time. I want to Mm -hmm. see the botched anatomy of a Kirby that may not be rock solid in terms of what it would look like in the real world. This is not the real world. This is comics. And and I want to see bendy, spindly Peter Parker drawn by Ditko and McFarlane and 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 guys that don't adhere so much and Larson guys that don't adhere so much to the muscles they know are there but they take a uh, they distill them down to the pieces and the 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 shapes that really work Neil wasn't he was about shape in terms of design but he his renderings of the human form were very very close to um what they would look like in reality. And that, that's the bugaboo that I have with, uh-huh. with, with art in, in, the, in the sense that when you have any kind of talent for making marks on paper, you are inevitably judged by how those marks adhere to reality. People think you draw well when you can draw a rabbit that looks like a rabbit. Right, mm-hmm. it's it's all based on whether or not it's realistic. Oh, my child can draw really well. Look at this; it looks just like a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, that's great, and and um, more power to you. But that it it's the exploration and the expressiveness and the the willingness to to try and infuse the line work with your personality, and not be so shackled by what is. What is is really boring. It's it's what can be that 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 
aspect of comics is what got me in love with them in the first place. And that all goes back to Kirby. Kirby's not reality. It's power and 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 energy. And had Neil Adams drawn the Fantastic Four, if if he drew the way he did in the 70s, I don't even know how old Neil was, but whatever. If he was around at the level he was on Green Lantern, Green Arrow in in 63 that book would not have been as as it would not have gave birth to the marvel universe no way because that's not what they needed to that big bang did not need realism it needed mm. it needed fantasy and it needed um exploration right i i'm not squashing neil i love his work but i i think it it works for this and it worked for Batman, like he did things, yeah. he changed Batman forever. There's no going back. Once Neil got on that book, mm-hmm. there's no going back from that. Uh, Neil has produced some of the most memorable Superman images ever. The the cover where he's breaking the chains with the orange and yellow Starburst yeah. background, like that is a an all time classic image, never to be uh, reduced in in stature. It is a magnificent piece of art. I don't want to see that every month. I, I no, no, yeah, right. yeah. I, and, but and, but and, he initiated a trend, is what I'm saying. Where your Sinkevages and all the guys that came, Grinbergs, your, yeah, your Mike yeah. Grells, like he 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 instigated this trend of realism in comics that doesn't really attract me all that much. It's yeah, but I'm not saying I, I don't want to diminish him at all. In no, stature, he is a legendary. Right, he's a legendary artist. It's just a taste-based thing. For me, comics are are wildly um, expressive, and ex- the, the exploration and the the messing with the physical physical form. Where Kirby would do something that in no way would be possible physically for a human body to position themselves like that, but it worked when Jack got at it. He 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 didn't care. That that's not where that muscle goes. Who cares? It looks freaking cool. That's yeah. that's my comics, right? It's maybe that that lends to another reason why this is so special is because it is just those these few issues, and it wasn't yeah. a long uh, on the right, on the flip <laughs> side. If Jack illustrated this series, it would have it would not be anywhere nearly as successful that's because true. these stories are based in reality. So a realistic approach to the art copacetic with the themes right it really right? is street level versus cosmic i mean it's, yeah 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 oh and, and and it's i mean and again much as i, I the a lot of the images in in, in this collection are, are, are burned in my brain but i it's still gill that's my green lantern artist i would i i, I read a gill kane green lantern story all day every day but this is the and and that's something else when when denny was given the green lantern book he was expecting Gil came to draw when 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 those three panels with early on with 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 the black man, then he was envisioning Gil's take on that. After he read the script, he he imagined what what Gil would draw, and then but Gil was off the book. Gil he, Gil was on the issues right up until he's drawing like eighty three. He he was he was ready or or he was still the series artist. Whatever happened for whatever reason, um, he wasn't, and and it was. Uh, it was given to this newcomer Neil Adams, but uh, you know he was still considered the Green Lantern art. But but I, I, was, I it a, think... was it a economic thing? Do you know? I mean, was that like they were saying with why Busema wasn't on Conan at the start because they the book wasn't 
it was like you said, two characters that weren't doing that great sales wise, so they couldn't afford uh, uh, keeping cocaine. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if DC. I mean, I know DC had the recession and their implosion. I don't know. I, I was going to say I don't know if DC had the money woes that that Marvel may had, but it, it's. I mean, but that was also with the whole license. Thing. I don't, I don't know. I, this was no, because Gil had drawn. Gil drew the uh, drug issues for Spider-Man. So was he, he wasn't, I don't know if he was, well, he, he had to have come back to DC. I, I don't, I, I'd have to look at the timeline and see everything. I, I, I didn't see he what did else eventually. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he came back because, because even after when, when the series went back to just the solo Green Lantern book, I remember the house has where Gil's back and, and he was drawing Green Lantern yeah. again. So, yeah. um, he just like everybody else back then. He was kind of almost everybody else. He was he was going back and forth between the two companies. But uh, no, I don't know why he, or at least I, I'm only going by the intro from Denny, and and that was written in 1983, uh, and then there's a postscript written in 2000. But uh, all he says is that he was expecting he was he was writing scripts, expecting Gil to draw them, and and then he was so he doesn't he doesn't say why. Um, Gil wasn't on the book, and he doesn't he he doesn't make any pains to to guess. But yeah, I I, I I'm interested. I, I'd like to know. Yeah, see, Gil's one of those guys that makes a, a, a surgical uh, assessment of their style impossible because he's he's as much based in realism, if not more, than Neil Adams. But he does it in a way. And this may not make sense. He does it in a way to trick your eye that he's doing it more in the Kirby camp. He doesn't use a whole ton of lines. I I can I can picture a panel of Gil Kane drawing Green Lantern flying away from the reader, and it looks kind of silly because it's like it's it's the bottom of of Lantern's foot. It's, it's, it's part of his rear. It's his back. And it's like, and it just, it looks visually, it looks weird, but you know, physically in, 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 in the real world, like that's how someone would look from that angle and that position, but it just, it's not a dynamic looking image, but Gills drew it as if, as if he just basically just traced the photo. Like that's how someone would look if they were laying flat, from this angle and, 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 and again, it may not be a, 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 an exciting looking image, but it's, it's, it's realistic. I mean, yeah. as much as his line would give you, but yeah. And I do think Gil was in part responsible for Neil Adams without question, because the, I see in the first issue, I see some things that, that, that I would, I, I would have expected that look very much like Gil would have drawn. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Gil's tricky. Um, there, for as much as his work is, is based in, in realism, there's a lot of it that isn't like his explosions and his, his, no, his, his, um, his backgrounds, like, um, rock formations and stuff. He, uh, look at Sword of the Atom. The, uh-huh. the figures are definitely based in, in, in reality, but like when Gil got his hands on a snake man or, or a dinosaur, there, you know what I mean? <laughs> No, seriously, there wasn't a snake that Gil didn't want to draw, and, and um, like his bizarre creatures. Oh my God, uh, or creatures on the loose. His, I, I, I struggle with Neil or not Neil, um, Gil because I, I, I've tried to lock down his approach for a, a, many, many years, and I just can't do it. 
he stymies me at some turns. <laughs> his saber tooth tiger is like, wow, but that's not how a saber tooth tiger would look. <laughs> not that I know, but he, there, 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 there is a, uh, there is a, an abstract quality to a lot of Gill's work too. That I, I, again, he's another guy. I just adore his work. Look at what he did. The uh, Wagner, the ring cycle. Oh my God. Like, again, for every figure that is anatomically correct, there's a lot of exploration going on there. A lot. So, yeah, I, I would just love to figure Gil out, and I probably never will. You, um, but that's what makes him so attractive to me. You, you, you're familiar with the story of um, Wildcats versus Aliens? And, um, yeah. They, they, asked, they asked Gil to do the cover. And Gil wasn't aware that it was the licensed property aliens. So he yeah. wasn't, he didn't draw <laughs> Xenomorph. He draw like just some standard run of the mill alien that Grill Kane felt like drawing. <laughs> and he looked more like one of the Kun than it did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I, I, I think it was Scott Dunn. The, the, the editor on the, on the book has a blog and, and he talked about um, having to explain it to Gil, but it's, it's one of the best because it's like, I mean, Gil, it wasn't a young buck at this time. No. So, I mean, yeah. What the fuck's he care about aliens? So yeah. It's like, yeah. I need you to draw an alien. All right. This looks like it's a like dick. I'm not drawing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking alien. Like <laughs> Xenomorph. Like Xenomorph. What the fuck is Xenomorph? Seriously. Get out of here, my He's boy. Like, I'm talking about Klaatu. I'm putting a. <laughs> I'm putting a snake in it. Fuck it. I'll be... <laughs> He's like a giant alien snake, right? Yep. <laughs> you can see right into the the venom glands of the snake. All the snakes had massive venom glands too. You saw. <sighs> Yeah. All right. Well, I think we did the book justice. This was a a very unique book of the month because we didn't really go into so into the stories. But that's I think that's to the benefit of anyone who hasn't read this. Uh, these are stories that you should really uh, uncover yourself uh, on, on your own without our guidance, because you're going to get out of them. Hopefully, uh, what Denny and company intended you to get out of them that there are there are layers. Uh, to uh, reality that it's like an onion. Uh, no problem is either the solutions to no problems are are b- either black or white. There's there's a lot of grays out there. Uh, read it and learn. That's all I can say. And you will enjoy in the process. It might, yeah, and it might it it might give you a better understanding or appreciation of your fellow man than spending time on social media will. For sure. Yeah, yeah definitely that. All right. That was a book of the month. If you want to get in on these book of the month discussions or at least have a, uh, a power of, of voting as, as we all need to have, come to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, because we solicit votes from our patrons. They pick what we talk about. Sometimes they pick the right book. Sometimes they pick the wrong, but that's okay. That, that's what voting is about. Never a wrong they choice. pick we, the right would, book this week. We wouldn't give you a choice if it was a wrong one. So That's true. And because of that, uh, some transparency, we're, we're, we're discussing the August book of the month, and, and uh, it's, it's either going to be Jason's month where he gets to pick all the options, uh, or it may be... Um, it may be an all Eisner. That's what's going to pull. I mean, either way, if, even if it's Jason's month, it's still going to be an all Eisner. So I mean, it's <laughs> six to one. But uh, but yeah. So 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 um, 
he's going on vacation. Hopefully, he'll have uh, his picks picked before then. But oh, um, okay, yeah. I guess I got to do them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to play Karnak here and see the yeah. future that we're probably going to buy a Scholastic book. <laughs> no, no, not well, it's interesting. Well, look, we'll go behind. We'll take the people behind the scenes that in the production room. We are often conscious when we're making this list now, after doing this for a few years, that um, we can have sway in the outcome based on how we structure the list. I mean, in many times it's unintentional, but we understand that there are certain books, like if we're choosing a theme, or there are certain books where inevitably putting that book on the list. Oh, has, we definitely. Have, we have to decide, are we going to put that book on the list or not? Because chances are, if we do put a particular book or two on the list of 11 that's going to win because of the popularity. If we, or, if we feel like reading year one or Watchmen, it'll be on the list. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And so, there, have, mm-hmm. there have been instances where I don't do it anymore because I don't think it's fair to sway the vote. But there were, have been instances in the past where I've commented on potential <laughs> books of the month and people don't vote yeah. on them. Yeah. Right. Right, and so to your point, I mean, if we were to do an – well, and if, when we do – an Eisner list this year. Uh, I would, I would opine that if we put Reina's guts on the list, it would win. Right. But if you want people to read that, then put it on the list. No, like no, if but, you right, think but, it's it's a good idea for have people to 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 investigate this book based on the wild popularity that it has. There's a reason why it's that popular because it's probably very good. Put right, it on what there. What I'm saying is is that there's a lot of of worthy candidates, and that would be one though where I think. I would lean to not putting it on there unless we were resigned to the fact that, all right, let's talk about guts this week. Because I do think that, that and maybe one or two others I can think of, if we put them on there uh, amidst a bunch that I'd be equally happy to talk about, I think we can assume that that's going to win. Because, A, we we often reference Raina and how important she is to comics, but but we collectively haven't read, or at least on the show, talked much about her work. And and, and I get the sense that our... our, our uh, our legion of, of EOC faithful uh, are in the same boat. They, they understand she's important. I don't think they're opposed to reading her, but they haven't necessarily dove in yet. So, so uh, um, I mean, as I stand here, I think I probably would lean against not putting guts on, on, on a list of 11 because we've been in the to just say like, all right, everybody, we're going to talk about guts this month. Like, you know what right. I mean? We also just do that. So, yeah. But I'd be right. about that. No yeah. problem. So there you have it. Another book of the month under our belts. Um, please solicit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of what everybody else is playing. This is the last time you're going to hear these. The DC Hill House Triple Play, Basketful of Heads, Dollhouse Family, Low Low Woods, cover price $24.99, your price $12.49 each. The question, The Deaths of Vic Sage hardcover, 30 bucks. Nope. You laughing. 14.99 your price. And last but not least, Hard Time, the complete series trade paperback, $40 on the back. Not what you're going to pay. You're going to pay $19.99. dcbservice.com. All right. I just got this book today. So I have not finished it. But it is loaded, loaded with surprises. It comes from Fanographics. It's uh, written and drawn by John Pham. It's called J and K. 
and uh, it has a risograph aesthetic to it. It's a hardcover. It's um, it's a little on the expensive side. It's forty bucks. Yes, but it's yeah, it's yeah. a 140 odd page hardcover about uh from what I can tell being maybe 30 40 pages in these two characters J and K. Um and J is definitely female, jury's still out on K. I don't know yet. Uh but they're they're walking and they're hungry and it's hot. And they're going to a party. So let's go crash the party and get some food. And on the way to the party, Jay is sweating profusely. And an old woman comes up to Jay and gives her a sweater, a polka-dotted sweater, to wipe the sweat from her brow. And she calls her a handsome boy. So they go back to their home, and Jay takes a dump real quick. And notices a pimple on her back. And she tries to squeeze the pimple, but it's on her back. And she only makes the pimple more inflamed and bigger. And it gets to the size of a cantaloupe and explodes. And a creature oozes out from the pimple. A creature that they eventually call Bacne. (laughs) It's an anthropomorphic glob of spoo from a pimple. And they dress up Bacne in the polka-dotted sweater. And they go to Eggie's party um, to feed their faces. And Eggie's very into uh, a video game, a motion capture video game, this dancing game. And he takes great pride in beating people. And so on and so so forth. uh, The thing about this chapter is that, that Bacne screws up the motion capture on the the video game and and eggie loses but it's a world populated with from to my eyes non-humans like there are there are people with eggie himself has multiple egg-shaped compartments for facial features and then there's like mummies running around there's guys with geometric heads that look like unfolded pieces of paper um, the the architecture in this world features strange angles. Like it's it, it, it's it's a very alien looking landscape, but it's intriguing because to to get into the the, the surprises, the book features are cultural artifacts that are mentioned or featured within the story. There, it comes with trading cards, uh, a fold-out map and a poster, a sticker sheet, a mini magazine with its own inserts, and a five-inch vinyl record. There's end flaps in which all these items are tucked. This book is fascinating. Um, but like I said, I've only cracked the surface of it. Um, and it does... So far, it is playing out like a Simon Hanselman book, which may dissuade Jason from ever investigating it, but it is what it is, right? Uh, there's there's a huge um, video game uh, 
infusion into this book. Video games are very prominent. So I'm guessing that Simon um, or John may be a child of the 80s because I feel it. I get the impression from reading this that he's an 80s child um, and grew up in, in, in the 90s when video games were all that in a, in a bag of chips. But I think this book is so far, it's it's fascinating. I haven't really gotten a bead on it yet, obviously, because I just got it today. But visually, it's it's stunning. I love the risograph aesthetic, and this is steeped in it. Um, there are pastiches of movie posters in here, video game ads um, mixed in with the comics. It's just a feast. There's a Garfield pastiche. It's it's a a a visual feast that I think uh, if you're looking for something off the beaten path, man, this is your book. The the cover is debossed uh, with a foil stamp it on the spine too and the back it's a magnificent the production values of this are through the roof down toothy real thirsty paper i love it so far so if you're looking for something that may challenge your uh your tastes check out jmk by john fam from fanagraphics there's a lot of pink in it Ooh, yeah great so far yeah it, it, who knows it may all go south by the end but i don't think so i don't foresee that happening i dig it yeah um in your travels i won't do this to vince since i just got it yesterday um and i don't even think he's read 106 yet but uh tmnt 107 I have right here, along with, see, uh, this was nice, because it wasn't on my order, but they pulled it for me, asked me if um, I was interested in it. I also grabbed the um, the annual, which I'll read later. But in your travels, I think, because I didn't get to read much, because I was too busy being all happy and giddy and drooling over our book of the month. So I'm going to say one thing that I did get to read, as much as... Uh, should probably save that for next time. Uh, that Texas Blood number two. Um, you heard us talk about the first issue. Hopefully you read it. Um, as great as the first issue was with that setup, the second issue uh, is when things, I think, really... I think this is what you can kind of expect uh, the, from here on out. Um, it's part one of A Brother's Conscience by uh, Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips, as you know, since they did the first issue. But yeah, um, I I like what I see. I was going to say it's weird, but there's um, there's questions. It's It, it reads, it's set up like a... Um, it, it, it feels like something... And I, I, I say this as a compliment. It's not comparing it. I, it, it, it reminds me, Vince, of um, uh, "Told to Die Young." It, it just, it, it kind of evokes oh, that. Boy. The, the way, the, the, the way, the way that the pacing is, the way the story is kind of coming together. Just it, it, it's not a. Uh, it's I think it's deliberately paced where you're 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 kind of forced to. You, you you shouldn't rush through it. I mean, the conversations people have are one thing, but but the way people go from one place to the other, from scene to scene, how how, how people kind of can maybe meander, um, 
between conversations. It's uh, it's. I like the tone of it. I, I like the feel of it. Uh, two issues in, I, I, I can say I like where it's going. But yeah, I um, I hope you enjoyed the first issue because I don't know if I'm, I basically I was a little surprised by this. I'll say a slight shift in the second issue. I mean, the setting is the same. We're still, you still, Joe Bob is still here, but we're, um, we're introduced to other characters and, um, and I'm curious to see how they all know each other and how relationships play out. And, and yeah, that's, that, that's where I'll leave it. I just, I, I'm still in, I, 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 like where this is going only two issues in so yeah that's texas blood number two check it out yeah i'll just co-sign on that i i, I like this second issue infinitely more than the first uh i yeah. enjoyed the first we talked about it but but yeah. I, I i i was left with the first being like okay like i like the setting i think phillips has got chops is like especially for a first comic that i've seen like i'm like all right cool but but i really wasn't sure what was where we were going with it uh and i wasn't sure i really cared about what i thought was the protagonist uh but yeah now now i got now i now we got an yeah. anti-hero that seems cool and there's a lot we don't know about him yet and yeah i'm like all right all right i see it's almost now, like I'm, I'm wondering how the was was the free comic book they were zero issue and this right. is the actual number one issue yeah, yeah i don't i was gonna say i don't know i'm a little worried that we're gonna like how we're gonna wrap it all up in five issues but but uh you know is, but yeah is it only a five issue series oh i thought it was is it not i thought it was an ongoing but oh you oh, may be then right. i stand corrected then okay well, then never mind on that. Um, I'm going to keep it in the family in your travels because uh, a certain hardcover by the name of Pulp came out. Yes, it did. by Ed Brubaker, drawn by uh, Daddy Sean Phillips. And, you know, I think everybody knows that's not new to the show that we are collectively big, Wumba big fans of Brubaker and Phillips. Uh, one of the great pairings of our comics lifetimes uh collaborative pairings um and when i heard they were doing a standalone not said in the criminal world western i nearly plotted because i love me some westerns and we don't get many western comics um now i had seen somewhere i don't know where it was an interview that he had said it was as westerny as he was ever going to be able to do and i was like all right well that's curious and I'm not going to go into the tales because I suspect neither of you have read it yet. We just got it. And I know you want to. I will just say, though, that this it's it's a novella. It's it's a, it's a short it's a short, short story. It's like 80 pages or so. Um, but man, oh, man, do they crush it? It's it's it's. We we get fully immersed into the lead character. Uh, they do an incredible job time shifting. Phillips uses a bunch of stretches himself artistically, uh, particularly in terms of uh, like color overlay and 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 some of the choices he makes in terms of the way he conveys uh, the flashback scenes. I, it's it's definitely uh, I mean it's Sean Phillips, so you're not going to be compl- you're going to recognize him, but but I think he he has a little fun with this in ways that he sometimes either can't or doesn't do with criminal. Uh, and it is exactly like Rebecca said, it's a Western, but it's not, and I'm being vague intentionally. Um, but when it's not a Western, it happens to be a 
book set in a world of pulp magazines and comics. And there's even a very unsubtle dig at Stan. <laughs> uh, apparently, Brubaker is not does, doesn't remember his days at Marvel fondly. Book of the year. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I really thought. Uh, listen, you take westerns and you you put a book with with western shootouts and killing Nazis in it, all in an eighty page story that's cohesive. And uh, it's quite an achievement and one that I think a lot of people be shaking their fist at in, in great admiration. So I'll leave it at that because I want you guys to read it. I know you plan on it, and I want our, our listeners to read it. And we can we can talk more about it once y'all have read it. But but uh, it's an absolute home run. Uh, it, it's another it's another gem in their diamond encrusted tiara of comic greatness. That's why it's my inner travels on Monday. As expected, it's coming in my box. Yep, mine too. All right, you fools, thank you for being here with us once again. If you want more 11 o'clock, if this just hasn't been enough for you, you can go to Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and Instagram. There's more out there. Uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Come back. We'll be waiting for you. We love you so much. We hope you enjoyed this book of the month. In the meantime, say goodnight. I need a bell or something or uh, maybe symbols. A gong would be cool. David. Huh, like more cowbell? Good night. Cowbells don't resonate. I, 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 I like the, the extended sounds. Like, that's, that's Bush League. David, you could probably... Do your magic and oh, who wants to hear a uh, a, a reverb applied to a cowbell? That's annoying. Even the thought of that's annoying. Fever. Will Ferrell, though. I mean, Will Ferrell. Got a fever. Yeah, the fever is more cowbell. There is a lot of cowbell in Don't Fear the Reaper, but hence the skit, right? You're a skit. Yeah, I am a big skit. Better than being scat, but not quite as good as being ski. That's it for that one.